We need to understand as parents why it's so important. We need to understand one of them in saying that parents are to be honored. When you think about what the typical perspective of parenthood is in our culture, and you compare it to what the Fifth Commandment is talking about, you realize how far from Scripture our society has diverged. I mean, just think for a moment, and there's so many ways you could illustrate this, but just think for a moment. When you think of TV, and particularly when you think of TV sitcoms, and you think of the image of parenting, and particularly the image of fatherhood that is portrayed there, you get pretty discouraged in a hurry. Because the names that come to mind when you think of fathers on TV are names like Tim Taylor, the tool man, or Ray Barone, or if you're older, you might think of Archie Bunker, or I hope you don't think of Homer Simpson. But really, there's a common theme, isn't there, to all those portrayals? Is it typically that the father figure in the eyes of our culture is really, this guy is kind of a clueless dope who is always being mocked by his children. And that has an impact. That that perception of what parenting is in our culture seeps into the way that we think about ourselves and it causes our standards for our children to change. It's interesting to me that when you think of what parenting in our culture, how it's viewed... And then you look to the scriptures, there's actually in Romans 1, it's interesting, in Romans 1, Paul is talking about what happens in a culture when the culture as a whole becomes hardened in its heart spiritually. And what happens, and Paul in Romans chapter 1 begins to list some of the sins that display a culture that has really gone off track from the will of God. And one of the sins in that list is disobedience to parents. Matter of fact, later when uh, Paul is talking to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, he talks about what are some sins that will characterize the last days. And in that list of sins, he lists disobedience to parents. That this is a reflection that, and of course, children have always been disobedient to parents. But when it becomes to the point of disrespectful, dishonoring, mocking of the institution of parenthood, then it is a very sorry state statement upon the state of our culture. In Scripture, God gives us two summaries of his will for our lives. We've been studying the first one, which is the Ten Commandments. The second summary of God's will for our lives was given by the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. And what's interesting, when you look at the Ten Commandments, it's actually broken down into those two categories, isn't it? We've been looking at the first four commandments, and those first four commandments are about how we're to love God. The last five commandments, and we're beginning to look at that section with number five today, deal with how to love your neighbor. But I think that this one about honoring your parents comes first in that set of six commandments because not only is it the most important in many ways and most foundational but also because it's a bridge between loving God 
who is the ultimate authority in our life, and then loving the other authorities in our lives. How we relate to our parents is going to have a huge impact on how we relate to others. And we need to begin by understanding how that relates to our relationship with God. It's interesting, if you go back to, you think about, when you're thinking about summaries of God's will for our lives, if you think of that, about that in terms of summary of God's wisdom for our lives, the book that comes to mind is the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is given to us as basically a, a bag full of nuggets of wisdom for us to know how to live our lives. And you know how Proverbs begins. The most foundational principle in the book of Proverbs is in chapter 1, verse 7, where it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. That's the first principle. But the second principle is the very next verse in chapter 1, where it says, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. Fear the Lord... Listen to the instruction of your parents. What's interesting to me is, I, as I was looking at this this week, every chapter of the first seven chapters of the book of Proverbs starts with that same exhortation. There's actually one chapter where it's not the first verse, it's actually number 20, but let me just kind of quickly run through those just to impress upon you how important this is in terms of God's will for your life and God's wisdom for how you live your life. Listen to what it says in chapter 2, verse 1. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, and it goes on to talk about the blessings that come from listening to the instruction of your father or of your parents. Chapter 3, verse 1. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Chapter 4, verse 1. Hear, O sons, a father's instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. Chapter 5, verse 1. My son, be attentive to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding, that you may keep discretion and your lips may guard knowledge. Chapter 6, it's not verse 1, but it's actually verse 20. My son, keep your father's commandments and forsake not your mother's teaching. Bind them on your heart always. Tie them around your neck. And then chapter 7, verse 1. My son, keep my words and treasure up my commandments with you. Keep my commandments and live. Solomon, as he gave us this wisdom inspired of the Holy Spirit, said, listen to the instruction of your parents. Very much related to the fifth commandment. Honor your father and your mother. I want to begin by pointing out that obviously what the fifth commandment is talking about is more than just do what your parents tell you to do. Jesus taught us that the commandments are actually, we need, when we read the commandments and study the commandments, we need to go to the heart of the issue. What's going on in the heart as you seek to obey these commandments? And if you look at the word honor, what we're really dealing with there is the issue of submission. A submissive heart. Submission to authority. That's what's at the root of Obedience, and it's at the root of honoring the authorities that are over you. The word honor in this commandment, the Hebrew word in the original language, is the word, it's the word in Hebrew, it's kavoth, and it's the word that in its root meaning means heavy, which it's very hard to make that connection at first to what does that have to do with my parents. 
well, maybe some of your parents, but what the, the whole idea of heavy actually is actually the root of that word actually deals with the word. It, it's the root of the same word that's used for the glory of God. When you use the word, when you see the word glory in the Old Testament, the root of that word is heavy. In other words, you treat God as though he is very weighty in all of his excellence and all of his majesty. You do not take God lightly. You treat him as this weighty being at the core of all of existence. And that's what it means in a sense to speak of the glory of God. Well, it's the same word that's used here in the fifth commandment for parents. You are to honor your parents. In other words, you are to acknowledge that they reflect the glory of God. Not in every way, certainly not even in any significant way in terms of the sin that corrupts that, but they are given a position by God that reflects his glory, and that's in its authority because he has appointed that position. Jesus taught us that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's really about not just obeying your parents, but it's obeying your parents with reverence, with respect. That's what the fifth commandment addresses. That's the heart issue. Your attitude behind your obedience is just as important as your outward conformity. Do you have a submissive, respectful heart as you do what your parents tell you to do? It's about tone of voice. It's about body language. It's about how you obey from the heart. And that's what, when I say, in the, as you notice in the outline, I say that the home is the school of submission. What I'm saying there is that it's in the home, under the authority of parents, that you learn how to deal with authority in your life in general. If you don't learn how to obey with respect the authorities in your life at home, you're not going to do it anywhere else. A child who mocks his parents at home is going to mock his teacher at school. A child who mocks his parent at home is going to mock a policeman, is going to mock the president of the United States, is going to mock his boss at work. It's at home that the Lord intends for us to learn how to respond to the authorities that he has placed in our lives. And so I need to pause for a minute, I suppose, to just bolster that point, to explain from Scripture that parents are put in place by God. They represent his authority. He has delegated that responsibility to them, so to speak. They reflect his glory in their position as parents. That's why I had us read earlier Romans chapter 13. Let me read you the first couple verses there again. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. Now, Paul goes on to apply that to civil authorities, speaking of kings and presidents and prime ministers. But that basic principle applies to every position authority, and the fund- fundamental and foundational position of authority in our lives is in our home with our parents. Parents, elders in the church, state officials in the government are all appointed by God, and as we understand, as Jesus Christ is the King of kings and Lord of lords, 
They are under his authority and they represent his authority, whether they acknowledge it or not. And the sad truth of life is that most of them don't acknowledge that Christ is Lord. But that doesn't change the fact what Paul is saying here. I mean, he, when he was talking about state officials in his day, he was talking about very evil men that very much abused their position. But still, he points out that they are, their position is appointed by God. We must never tolerate disrespect for positions of authority. And I really believe I need to underline this for parents because of the mindset and the spirit of our age. We need to not allow children in our homes to disrespect our position of authority. If the parent is dishonored, then God is dishonored. If our children were to take the Lord's name in vain, going back to one of the earlier commandments, if they were to do that in our presence, hopefully we would be offended by that and, and, and shocked by that and say, you must not say that. But yet we will allow them to treat us as God's representatives, as the authority in the home, with disrespect. And we are bringing dishonor upon the name of God when we allow his representatives to be disrespected. The Jesuits, they had an old saying. They used to say, give me a child until he's seven, then I will give you the man. And what they meant by that is that those first seven years are so important that our children learn some of the most foundational pieces of wisdom for life during those seven years. And their whole attitude towards life is developed during those years. It's so crucial that we get key pieces in place for their obedience. And one of those is the respect for authority. Too many parents are caught up in the spirit of the age, the idea that we want to just be friends and buddies with our kids. And we give up this fight to teach them honor and respect for the position of authority. If we see our authority is based in ourselves, and if we make the final word in our arguments with our children, well, do it because I said so, then we are not doing our job. Because the ultimate authority in every discipline situation, in every teaching situation in your home, the ultimate authority is Jesus Christ as Lord. And we need to understand that our parenting doesn't stop when our children conform in their behavior. Biblical parenting is not behaviorism. It's not teaching the child, if, you know, like remember the rats in your psychology experiments, they tap on the bar a certain number of times and they get the little pellet of food. So often we allow our parenting to fall into that kind of behaviorism. The Bible teaches us that we need to go to the heart when we parent children. There was a, a good book written many years ago by uh, Ted Tripp called Shepherding a Child's Heart. And one of the things that that book did, because a lot of Christian books, I think, had fallen into the behavioristic kind of way of dealing with children's behavior. But Ted Tripp wrote this book, and he said, listen, you are called by God. The position you have as an authority figure in your child's life is to shepherd not their behavior. You know, that's why we consider parenting so often to be like herding cats, you know, because we're all about shepherding behavior. But he says, no, it's about shepherding hearts. It's about where is your child heart? It's not just are they obeying or not, but why are they obeying? And what's motivating that obedience? He used the example. He said, what if I had a tree in my backyard 
that wasn't bearing fruit. He said, I, I could fix that problem by going down to the local produce stand and buying a bushel full of apples and going home and tying some strings onto the stems of those apples and going out and hanging them on the branches. And there I would have a tree that's full of fruit. But that really wouldn't fix the problem, would it? And so often he says that's what parenting is, that we're just putting fruit on the tree, but we're not actually healing and dealing with the issues that are causing the disease that is causing the tree to not bear good fruit. Discipline isn't successful when we coerce obedience. Discipline is successful, Ted Tripp says, when our children come to the place of submission and trust and willing obedience. That's the goal that we're working for. And I know when you hear that, you say as parents, hey, I'm so overworked and stressed out and overwhelmed by just getting my children's behavior to conform. How could I ever take on the challenge of trying to shepherd their heart to where it needs to be? And I'll say to you, you can't do it. You don't have the power. You weren't given the authority and you weren't given the ability to change your children's hearts. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. But you're put in their lives to help them see that, to go to the core of their need. And really, this gets back to how you see your children, doesn't it? When you think about teaching your children to honor the positions of authority in their lives, the first thing your children need to understand is their own nature. They need to understand that as we're all born into this world, we are born into this world as rebels who resist authority, who despise authority, who shake our fist at authority. James Dobson's once said in one of his books, the toddler is the most hard-nosed opponent of law and order in the world. And we aren't doing children any favor to say, well, we need to build up their self-esteem and we need to try to find all the good things about their lives and keep telling them about that and not making them feel bad about themselves. No, you need to begin by telling them the truth about themselves, which is that, true of all of us, is that we're born into this world as sinners and we're born in this world as those who despise authority. If your children don't understand that we are by nature anarchists, then they're never going to seek out the true solution for that problem. We all want to do what we want to do, how we want to do it, and when we want to do it. That's our nature. We are selfish. We are self-centered. But we don't stop there, do we? We take them to Christ. We take them to the one who can deliver them from that rebellion, just like he delivered us as parents. Think about Jesus Christ. He is the only one who ever kept the the fifth commandment perfectly every moment of every day of his life. Jesus Christ always did the will of his Father perfectly. Even when his father said to him, I want you to go to the cross and I want you to be crucified. I want you to bear my eternal wrath, the wrath that all the sins of God's people of every age have ever deserved. I want you to bear that on the cross. How did Jesus respond? Not my will be done, but your will be done. That's the essence of keeping The first commandment. Even while Jesus was dying on the cross with his last dying breaths. He died a relatively young man. He didn't live long enough 
to honor his parents by caring for them in their old age. And by that time, we believe Joseph was probably had died. But his mother Mary was there, but he died before he could care for her and honor her by caring for her in her her later years. But what did he do as he was dying on the cross? He pointed to the apostle John and he said, John, look, here's Mary. I want you to take her as your mother and I want you to take care of her. Jesus was fulfilling the fifth commandment, even as he was dying on the cross for our sins, which he didn't deserve at all. We need to look to Christ as the only one who knows what it means to honor father and mother perfectly. And then we need to receive his forgiveness for our failures. He died for our repeated breaking of this commandment and every other commandment. He took our punishment. He died in our place. And if we accept his forgiveness... He not only gives us his own obedience, this perfect obedience of always honoring his father and mother, he not only gives that to us as we wear that, as we stand before a holy God, but he also begins to change us. And he begins to do that work of our heart to make us submissive and obedient to his will. It's because of Jesus Christ that any of us have hope. And so if our children are going to have Self-esteem, only in the sense of thinking well of themselves, they need to be taught to look to the grace of Jesus Christ because that's where a good self-image comes from. Understanding that we are sinners, but we have been saved by grace and we are adopted by grace into the family of God and we belong to him for eternity. There is no higher level of esteem that one can have for oneself than to understand that by grace you have been adopted as a child of God. But I do want to talk for a moment for some of you, probably many of you, who think, but you didn't know the parents I had. You talk about honoring father and mother. If you ever met my father or mother, you wouldn't say that. And that's actually one of the bad fruits of a society that has lost scriptural truth, is that families are a mess and parents aren't doing their job. And they have failed us. And we all have daddy issues. We all have mommy issues. Because sinners raised us. And that's where we need to go back. And it says, you know, when Paul quotes the fifth commandment, he says, children, be obedient to your parents. Honor your father and mother, he says, in the Lord. Do it in the Lord. Understand that the Lord is the ultimate authority in your life. And your parents are under his authority. And whether they acknowledge it or not, they're accountable to him. They'll have to stand before him one day. And on that day, all of us as parents are either going to hear one of two things from the Lord who is over us as parents. We're either going to hear, you are forgiven because you trusted in Christ and he paid for your sins. Or you're going to hear, you are guilty and you will pay for your sins. But that's God's issue, not ours. What he expects of us is to forgive. And I know that some of us have been badly abused by parents. And forgiving our parents is one of the hardest things we have to do in life. But the cross is the only place that you're going to learn how to do that. The only place you're able to do it is at the cross. And you need to understand that even if you continue, even if today you have to deal with bad parents, you need to be able to make a separation in your mind to understand that 
who the person you're, what you're honoring, when it says honor your father and mother, you're not honoring the person, you're honoring the position that God has established. And just a way to help explain that, think about King David. David was anointed to be the next king of Israel. But Saul had become jealous and Saul was hunting him down. Evil. Saul had become selfish and self-centered and evil as a king over Israel. And he was trying to kill David. And David had many times that he could have retaliated against Saul. But remember what he said in 2 Samuel 24, I will not put out my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. David said he was put in, king by, put in place as king by God. And I must honor his position even if I am appalled by the way in which he's behaved in it. And for all of us, you know, we're talking about the authority of parents, but think about the authority of our civil servants. You know, we as Christians, we bring disrepute upon the church when we treat our elected officials with disrespect and dishonor. We must avoid the attitude of Rush Limbaugh, even if we agree with the principles and theories of Rush Limbaugh. We need to respect those who are in authority over us because we're respecting the position, not the person. Well, what do we do if the position, person in a position of authority commands us to do something that is against God's will? Well, that's where Jesus said at one point, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. You never put the authority of your father and mother over the Lord himself. When authorities over us, whether it be parents or teachers or bosses or civil servants, whoever they may be, if they ever command us to do something that requires us to disobey the Lord, then we must say with the Apostle Peter, we must obey God and not man. And so, if you have bad parents, sometimes that means that you need to say, I need to obey the Lord. But you know what? I'm talking mostly to Christian parents here. And there is that out clause that you always obey the Lord if, they, if, if, if it contradicts what your parents are telling you. But I'm talking to Christian parents here. So children, that out clause rarely happens in your case. So don't be looking for it under every rock and behind every tree. How many times can you honestly say, my parents are telling me to do something that, my, that would require me to disobey the Lord? Certainly doesn't apply to homework. Doesn't apply to cleaning the kitchen or picking up your room. But understand that when you respect your parents' authority, you are serving the Lord. And parents, when you say you need to do this and you get an argument from your kids, you need to say you need to honor and respect me and you need to do it not because I said so, but because Jesus is Lord of this home and Jesus is Lord of your life. Which brings me to the last section of of this commandment, which talks about a blessing. You see, we've always said this about the commandments of the Lord, is that they are given to us to give us freedom. They're not given as burdens to us. They're given to give us freedom. There is a blessing in obeying the fifth commandment. And the blessing that's spoken of here is a long and abundant life. We have to think about this one a bit. If you keep the fifth commandment, you are promised a long and abundant life. Here are the words, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. 
In Ephesians chapter 6 that we read, Paul paraphrases the commandment and he puts it this way, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. And what this speaks to, as I'm speaking to you parents primarily, is that when you're given a position of authority, that's what biblical authority is all about. It's all about blessing the people under your oversight. In the world, authority is about getting your way and doing things your way. But in the church, in the, in the, among the king, people of the kingdom of God, being in a position of authority means that you are now a shepherd leader. You are now a servant leader. You are now someone who's responsible for the well-being in, in every possible way. You're responsible to care for them. That's what leadership is about. That's what authority is about. And so you are trying to bless your children. Speaking of church leaders, in Hebrews 13, verse 17, it says, Obey your leaders and submit to them. Let them do this with joy and not groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. There's advantage in submitting to the people in position of authority over you. When I would discipline my children, I would always try to remind myself to say to them, as they're angry and as they're... they're uh, feeling like I'm constricting and restricting their life and, and, and I find myself feeling like they treat me like the enemy because I'm trying to discipline them and teach them to go in a way in which they want to go, different from what they want to go, I found myself often to remind myself to say, take a moment, just grab a few breaths and just say, I want you to understand I'm on your side. God has given me this position of being your parent to bless you to put you in that circle of security and prosperity that he promises in the scriptures. The law of God is a boundary to keep us from going off into the darkness where there's danger and destruction. The law is a boundary to show us that within the law, when we stay within the will of God, that's where safety and prosperity is found. And so when we discipline our children, we're trying to bring them back inside the boundaries. We're trying to bring them out of the darkness and destruction into a place of God's blessing and safety. Well, what is this commandment promising then? Does it mean that we're going to have an easy life? Does it mean that we're going to live to 100? Is that really what it's promising when it talks about long and abundant life? Well, of course not. There is no guarantee of that. But you need to look at this in a historical context. The Ten Commandments were given to the people of Israel as they were about to go into the promised land. And so this promise is primarily speaking of the people of God moving into the promised land and saying, if you obey this commandment, you are going to prosper in the promised land. And I will not remove you. I will bless you in the promised land. Of course, they disobeyed the commandment, ended up being evicted from the promised land. But Paul actually applies the promise to us, though, doesn't it? Doesn't he? In Ephesians 6, he says that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. So there is an application to us. And so that's where you go back to Christ again. In Christ, we have not only long life, but eternal life. And we have abundant life. We taste of it here and we experience it in fullness in the new heavens and the new earth. I say all this to say that the best way that you can work to, to give your children a wonderful life 
is to live under the lordship of Christ yourself, recognize that you represent the authority of Christ in their lives, and then teach your children to not only obey your authority, but shepherd their heart so that they come to the place of submission to your authority. There is blessing in obedience. The book of Proverbs says over and over again, receive instruction and live, despise instruction and then die. There is abundant life in Christ. And this law is given to us that we might experience it. The freedom of obedience. Let me just wrap this up by talking about two transitions that you as parents need to lead your children through. When our children, as I said, we're born into this world of rebels. rebels. We all are. And so when you start to parent your children and you start to discipline your children, there is a sense in which you don't have a choice, but you need to coerce them into good behavior. You need to work through behaviorism, so to speak, to use reward and punishment to teach them to do the right thing. Because at that early age, that's really all that they can process. I'm going to obey what mom and dad told me because there's reward for obeying and there's bad things that happen when I disobey. Because that's all that a toddler can really understand. But you have to bring the child beyond that, don't you? You have to get them as they grow older to the point where they obey, not because there's a reward, an immediate reward or an immediate punishment, but because they trust you as their parent. They love you as their parent. They don't want to disrupt their relationship with you as a parent. They trust that you do want what's best for them, that you are on their side, and so they obey because they trust in your heart. And that's a very important hurdle to get over, and some some of us really struggle to get over that hurdle with our children. Some of us feel like we never do. But that's not far enough either, is it? Because what happens when you're not in their life anymore? You need to make it to that third stage of obedience in the heart of your children where they obey and do what is right because they trust the Lord and they trust in his authority and in his intentions for their life. And that's the goal of our parenting is to get them to the place where they are living under the lordship of Christ willingly, joyfully, submitting in their hearts to the will of God because that is the abundant life. I read about and I read an article about uh, actually in the article it contained three case uh, or four case studies about young women that went to prison. And what was interesting to me as I was reading it is that in three of the four cases, and I agree it's a small sampling, so I don't know how across the board this might be, but in three of the four case studies in that article, these young women traced their rebellion, their overt rebellion, and heading into a life of crime, they traced the root of it to when they were 16 years old. And the event that precipitated it was getting the keys to the car. And I thought, now I understand it's not always going to be the case, but isn't it interesting that that really is the first time in our teenager's life when they really are able to act very independently of us. Not completely, but very independently of us. And it just illustrates the point that by the time you put car keys in their hand, they had better know what it means to honor their father and mother in the Lord because of the lordship of Christ over their lives. And that's what we're trying to get them to. We are trying to lead them to maturity in Christ. The goal of our parenting, and we really forget this so easily, the goal of our parenting is not to get our children to have good grades in school. 
The goal of our parenting is not to get our children to go to a good college. The goal of our parenting is not to get our children to get a good career, get a good marriage, set up a nice household, have some nice children, and have a comfortable life. That's not the goal of our parenting. That's the American dream. It's not the biblical dream. The goal of our parenting is Christ-likeness in our children, spiritual maturity, and that begins in submitting to the authority in their lives, ultimately the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, willingly, joyfully, because of what he's done for them. Let's pray. Father, we've been talking about parenting, and it is so easy to be discouraged, so easy to feel overwhelmed. We feel that we fail in so many ways even to coerce the right behavior out of our children, let alone to truly shepherd their hearts and lead them into true, joyful, loving submission. And Lord, we acknowledge before you we can't do it. This is a work of your spirit. This is something you must do. But Lord, we want to be faithful in our role. So continue to give us your word. Continue to give us your spirit. Please continue to work in the hearts of our children. And we as adults who have not learned this lesson well ourselves, bring us under conviction for how we have dishonored our parents in the past, maybe even presently, how we've dishonored the authorities in our lives in many ways. And lead us to Christ, the one who obeyed perfectly and then gave us the gift of his obedience as he took our sin upon himself. Forgive us, we pray. Restore us by your grace. Strengthen your church. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.